It's the 27th day of February. Great as always to have you along, everybody. From the experts is a virtual networking opportunity flow accelerator, helping leaders across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format, like a TED Talk with interaction. If everything goes well, your curiosity sparked, new ideas, accelerate action, and you may have helped yourself or somebody else solve a problem, make a connection, reaching the opportunity faster. Folks, help me welcome Juliana Garzar. Juliana is general partner at BGV Climate Fund, Portfolio, and Malakai Ventures. Juliana's previous roles included Chief Development and Investment Officer at Greentown Labs, Texas Medical Center Venture Fund Director, Managing Director of Houston Angel Network, and the French Riviera Sophia Business Angels. That's a lot to say. She started her career in Singapore, an international trade consultant for the Spanish Embassy, and as project manager at Citigroup Asia's technology office. Welcome, Juliana. Really have enjoyed our time preparing together on this uh, uh, for this discussion and grateful that you're on the FT Show Network to share your take and insights on where energy transition stands today. So over to you. Thank you, John. So as um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the FTE. Uh, so I recommend, I mean, I know that many of you are also big fans, but for the new ones out there, uh, I think this is a, a perfect setting for not only have deep discussions, but also to engage with a community of like-minded individuals. Uh, so when I met John uh, at the Iron, I think it was at Cup of Joey, and he asked me to, to do this. I thought it was perfect timing, uh, not only because I'm in transition myself, like the title uh, of of this uh, talk, yeah, uh, energy transition, and and for me, it's also a personal transition, and and I think that my my transition is is very timing, and and you know when John asked me, what do you want to discuss about? I'm like, well, you know, I I I feel that the the personal transition is is happening also in the energy transition, and and I started drawing parallels to how I felt when I started. Uh, fundraising and bringing Greentown Labs to Houston uh, four years ago, where, you know, at the beginning, people were like, what, a climate incubator in Houston? Uh, how does it work? And then COVID hit. And I think COVID was a little bit of a, a blessing in disguise for, for Greentown Labs because we were able to raise a lot of money. And I think that was the first pendulum shift uh, where suddenly things became a lot more positive towards investing in energy transition. And, and we had a, a lot of momentum and, you know, of course, the IRA came in and uh, and now um, I think it's been like a half a year or so or a little bit more where, where things are are backing. Right. There's there's another pendulum shift there. And uh, suddenly um, things are becoming a lot more unclear. Um, I think there's uh, a lot of oil and gas who are investing in oil and gas and um going down in terms of uh, investments in energy transition or renewables. Uh, there's this further division about ESG and what it means. Uh, you know, Larry Fink and his letter two, three years ago, he was all about ESG. Suddenly ESG seems to be a bad word uh, in some cases. Uh, and there's a lot more division, um, even even within Greentown. Some people not wanting to work with some oil and gas companies or, you know, this and that. And, and you know, this this was not part of my vision. Uh, it's never been. My vision is always about um, working all together and meeting people where they're at. 
And I really believe that technology can be the solution to everything. And uh, that's why, uh, you know, I'm going to go and share a few slides about I've been trying to to put a little bit of my thoughts into slides and I've been looking at the slides on 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 the internet. So it's not that I've created any, but I thought, you know, there were some visuals there that would be very intriguing for our discussion. And I'm also very glad to see that we have some entrepreneurs from Greentown here in the call, uh, not only Herman, but I can see Anna there and a few others and, and a lot of the, of the Greentown folk also there that have been really, really uh, active in, in our ecosystem. Uh, like Honey and others, and and I would love to have their thoughts uh, too about what I'm I'm going to be uh, presenting. Uh, so with that, I'm going to share my screen. Uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, let me see if I can put the first slide first. Uh, there you go. Okay. So this is this is the first uh, slide that I thought was very interesting when I was trying to find uh, illustrations about how how the pendulum was swinging and what were the, the forces that, that were at play. So I really like this one that I found about, you know, the past uh, tipping point on energy transition. And that's when, you know, uh, a few years ago, I was fundraising uh, for Greentown Labs in Houston. And I really found that there was a, a positive winds that, you know, suddenly the winds shifted and, and we were very lucky to be able to to fundraise for Greentown and find amazing companies there. And and I think, you know, the shift was from the old paradigm where, you know, the vision was that renewables were expensive and needed subsidized uh, to the, the new paradigm where renewables became cheaper than fossil fuels. And, 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 and you know, we, we started having a lot of the geopolitical advantages. So of course, the technology in solar and wind had reached a tipping point uh, and, you know, um, the, the, the geopolitical advantage, the political advantage, we, we got some, some strong winds towards, you know, the IRA and, and a lot of the oil and gas companies started with their new energy departments or their new energy renaming uh, a lot of people in the sustainability, a lot of pledges to, uh, 2030 and 2050. So uh, I really think they were very good wins for, for us. Um, so I think now we we are not on, on the left side on the pendulum, but we are no longer on, on this right side where everything is, is fine and dandy. I, I really believe that energy security is back to the left side of the scale. <clears throat> One of the reasons, of course, and if you've been to Sarah Week, you, you will see uh, last year's, uh, you know, uh, Secretary Grant Hall's comments about energy security, with, with of course uh, uh, the 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 Ukrainian war and 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 the gas from Russia being cut down and what it meant, uh, the fact that you know even uh, Secretary Grant Hall was was asking oil and gas companies to produce more uh, because of energy security, and uh, you know we also have uh, some issues with. Uh, the geopolitical division, right? Some people are willing to go and pay a premium, like in some countries in Europe, to have cleaner energy. Some others are not. What does it mean? Um, so I really think that talking about these forces and how they're affecting the the, the pendulum is is key. And in here, I think you have the 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 five ones that are most important ones and are the, the key factors that I found that are accelerating the energy transition, but at this time also 
de-accelerating it. Um, and I think we've talked, of course, about the investor pressure um, a few years ago, as I mentioned, uh, the Larry Fink uh, um, presentation letter from BlackRock was all about ESG and, and investing in those kind of assets. Uh, the last letter of BlackRock is not as rosy and they're like, well, you know, oil and gas still here to stay. Um, uh, in terms of economic uh, pressures there, uh, we've seen uh, some divestments in the past on the fossil fuels, but now um, we've seen also some reinvestments. Uh, we we have uh, companies and, and I think um, John, you got some feedback there that companies that, you know, have like BP are starting to reinvest again and not invest that much or back down a little bit in their energy transition investments. Uh, the energy price affordability, as I mentioned before, and uh, and really the, you know, the 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 carbon cost mechanisms and, and where we're at, I think is going to be part of an, an interesting discussion. Um, in terms of government and, and regulatory, um, you know, we, we've seen that the IRA has been instrumental in, in having a, an amazing impact in the energy transition. But the big question here is, um, can, can the next government, if we have a new government, pull back from it? Uh, do we have to implement all of the IRA? I think there's uh, very interesting questions out there of some people saying, like, you know, how, how is this money going to flow and, and is a new government or... Uh, new regulatory tendencies are going to going to change that that flow of money or at least make it uh, a slower. Um, in terms of social, of course, um, there's a, a lot of grassroots movement uh, that has been pro energy transition, but at the same time, um, they didn't want to connect with oil and gas and meet them where they're at. Uh, I'm a very strong believer that. You know, we we need to engage uh, the the oil and gas industry in the energy transition. We're not going to be able to do it without them. So, what does it mean when you become an activist and start having legal action? You know, against uh, some of the oil and gas companies, or even against BlackRock for suggesting that you know ESG investing was a, was a good thing. So, um, you know, maybe a, a good question here is. Uh, the unintended effects of uh, grassroots uh, environmental movements and 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 how they can in some cases even hinder the energy transition right so that's that's something that i think it would be a, a good discussion point and of course my favorite point the technological uh, towards the end right i think um, all of these pressures that are you know shifting the pendulum can be at least minimized if technology um, makes it through. And uh, and I think, you know, a, a lot of the financial projections talk a lot about a, a steady pace of organic growth of the technology. But once technologies hit a, a, a tipping point, uh, they become exponential in growth. And, and that's one that I'm really interested in discussing. And I know that we have a, a lot of a lot of interesting people here who know a lot about where the different technologies of the energy transitions are, and also some key entrepreneurs here who have a, a lot to say. But I really believe that um, the the technology is is uh, when a lot of the things are are going back and forth. The technology is the one that can push us through the the next level. So we we have one of the expert polls here today that was put through, and um, um, we we want to know uh, about 
where you think you're at uh, personally or for your company in that pendulum swing. If you are towards uh, uh, the the far left, where you know we, when we started with you know investing a lot in in oil and gas, the the far right, where you know you're still going all in about energy transition, or somehow you're a little bit more in the middle than when we started uh, a few years ago, and and also what is the general impact on your company's investment today? Uh, if you are investing more, less, reducing investment in oil and gas, or you know. Uh, putting in more, we, we would love to know where you're at. I think it would be a, a pretty interesting thing to to discuss. Um, so with that, I'm going to pass to, to the next slide. Um, just, I don't know if I can do it without answering all of this. Oh, just a second. I'm just going to answer totally randomly uh, to this to be able to get to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, let me see. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. There you go. I think if I've submitted my poll um, without yeah. much thought, but hopefully, I think I still managed to think through my answers. And now I'm going to talk to. Uh, I'm going to get to the next you've slide. Got, there you've you got go. uh, about eight minutes or so. For your okay. Remarks. Perfect. So, so uh, with all that being said, I think you know we are in. We we this is the energy transition timeline and the commitments for 2030 and 2050. And where, you know, this is from DNV, uh, which I think is, um, you know, very, uh, I love this kind of, um, uh, you know, timelines where we can be a little bit more visual about what things mean. Um, I, I think we've, we've been doing good in, in some key areas, as you can see here, uh, and not so good in, in some other ones. So, so renewables in some areas have, have been good, but I think we're still not where we have to be in 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 green hydrogen um i really like what dnv is saying about about shipping and and the uh, impact that is going to create uh in the energy transition but anyway i think this shift in in the pendulum is is going to make us not being there where we need to be on on the 2050 so what are uh and i think that's the point of discussion for this this talk about what are the things we can do to get back in in track Why I'm not able to go to the next slide. Just a second. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, there you go. Okay. So the last slide that I wanted to to share with you, um, sorry, the, the the one before that is is I think this energy transition um choices um that you know a lot of you are making and even governments are making on whether you know you're doubling down on renewables or energy transition or decarbonization technologies or you're not is about this energy trilemma right and and that's something that we we're still trying to figure out so it's it's not only about sustainability and decarbonization is about security and access and what does it mean when a lot of people cannot afford to have uh, cheap clean energy and you have to decide whether you have like uh, cheaper uh, non-clean energy or environmental sustainability and of course the third part of this uh, trifecta or trilemma is the economic development and growth right um, I've seen firsthand how a lot of oil and gas companies want to do the right thing by investing a lot in energy transition but at the same time are penalized by 
the stock exchange uh, by you know investing in in energy transition because their uh, their their stock price is going down. Uh, whereas other companies that are maybe taking their sweet time in terms of investing in energy transition are rewarding for that, right? So how can we make sure that all the enabling dimensions of energy transition are in sync? Uh, and we're talking not only about capital and investment and uh, human capital, but also about anything that has to do with infrastructure, not only for the business environment, but the energy system. So uh, this is something that I think when I discuss in some places, people don't don't take into account, right? That this does this energy trilemma and, and a lot of them can believe that, you know, it's a binary decision that whether we want to make it and investing into energy transition and we are risk averse enough or not risk averse enough. Uh, I think that you know this decision is a lot more complicated than that, and that's why we're here today, trying to to figure out all the the forces at play and how how we can be uh, sustainable in in making this these decisions. Okay, and and the last one is is really because I, I really believe uh, I'm a strong believer that technology is the key to all of this. And I think the decisions in terms of politics or in terms of uh, being an investor and investing in the right things or being a consumer and buying the, the right things, um, you know, wouldn't be that hard, wouldn't be that controversial, wouldn't be a trade-off if we had the right technologies in place. And and I think, you know, one, one of the things that uh, a lot of people that are backing down a little bit in, in this pendulum are doing is like they're not stopping to invest in energy transition, but they are not like foolishly investing in everything under the sun uh, in a spray and pray capability. But they are a little bit more conscious on where are those technologies in their path to market and in this hype uh, uh, cycle and 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 trying to invest in the ones that are closest to to sustainability financial sustainability and and i think that some some of the companies in oil and gas that have corrected their course have tried to figure out what are the the lowest hanging fruits in terms of technologies that are readier to deploy in in the market and this way they can make sure that they they whatever the investing makes makes uh, some some profit uh, in in a shorter time frame. Uh, so in here you have two very interesting uh, climate tech uh, hype cycles um, that I got. Uh, both of them are from 2022, yeah, around beginning and end of 2022. Uh, the first one was made by uh, Energy Impact Partners. The second one is by Silicon Valley Bank. Um, there's, um, I thought, you know, because this is subjective and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on where, uh, you think the technologies are, um, in general, you can see that you have solar and wind very much at the plateau of productivity, but there are some interesting, um, dichotomies there where, for example, you can see, uh, uh, CCUS and carbon markets at different parts of the, of the tipping points in, in, in both graphics there. Uh, as well as alternative meat. And in some cases you have advanced nuclear and in some others, it doesn't even show up there. Um, all in all, I think those are, are two very interesting hype cycles. Um, you know, it's been 
uh, almost two years since uh, this uh, uh, things were created. So I would love to see what you think are are further down the the hype cycle line towards the slope of enlightenment than maybe shown here in this in these graphics and and whether you think you you agree with this perspectives from from SVB and and energy impact partners. And, and with that, I'm going to stop sharing. Um, I hope those slides were somehow, you know, at least thought provoking. And, um, you know, I think it's time for me to open it to, to the floor. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, learning a little bit more about where you're at. And, and I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see the, the poll results. So, John, do you, do you want to go with, uh, with me uh, through the poll results? Yeah, absolutely. Can you? Everybody can see them right now. Yes. You're welcome to drive through it, Juliana, and just share any comments that you have. Yeah. So, so um, I like to see that you know there's uh, th that a lot of people think that is a correction right there, right? Because it's not only about our willingness to transition; it's what the market dynamics are are telling us to do. Uh, so there's only 10% saying that uh, the pendulum has swung too far towards uh, the, the energy transition. 66% feels that it's in the middle right now. Um, some people feel like there's, you know, still we, we've gone too far back to where we were before. Um, so I, I really, really like this. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty balanced, which means that we're going to have a a pretty interesting conversation and a pretty interesting discussion going forward. Okay, the second one. Oops. Okay, I don't see. Uh, it can okay. I make a, a, a correction of that? I, yeah. I answered one A because I misunderstood the question. I, I meant one C. So there's ten percent become goes to zero. I probably was <laughs> rushing to read the question, and I apologize for that. I was rushing too because uh, otherwise yeah. I couldn't, uh, you know. But... When I read right, I felt I felt like the conservative right. So yes, yeah, I, felt I understand. Yeah. I understand yeah. the right. the right conservative or the yeah. right of the pendulum, and in the pendulum yeah. we put uh, energy transition to. What else you got? Yes. Yes. Um, so the general impact in your company's investment today. So let's see. 55% is investing more in energy transition, which is great. And 17% are reducing investment in traditional oil and gas assets and technologies. 7% is investing more in oil and gas assets and technology. 17% reducing the investment in energy transition energies and technologies. So we, we can see a pendulum swing there. No impact. Our strategy and behavior has not changed so i really love it this is it's a little bit all over the place which is great but but i'm i'm, I'm glad to see that people are still you know uh, going through with their investments in, in energy transition and, and technologies um okay so the forces that you think uh impact you the, the most um economic um 48 investor pressure 21 percent social uh, 34% engaging and promoting environmental uh, responsibility. Technological. Okay, so economic and technological are there, uh, which I'm very glad. Governmental, still 17%. Um, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty much what, what my thoughts were. Um, and basically, the, the last but not least is uh, if you're investing in clear technology, 72%. Uh, yes, uh, so, uh, zero no, which is great, and and a maybe there with a twenty eight percent. So, 
Um, I, I think this is pretty much um, where we're at, and I think the the poll has been um, has been really really constructive. I, I really like the questions we we put together, and and the answers that we got, and I think they they could be great for a for a, a, a wonderful discussion. With that, I can see that there's plenty of questions, and I hope I'm not going to be right. the only one answering because this is uh, supposed to be no. um, me. Um, no. Uh, setting up the floor for for a bigger discussion. So, <laughs> and you've really done that, folks. If you're new to the show, uh, you've got a question. You can use the chat, but now is the time we're going to you know use our voices. Uh, lessons learned for the group, perhaps. Just raise your hand or uh, jump when the floor is open. Uh, kindly just share you know what you who you're with and uh, you know what you're taking where you're coming from on this, and let's keep it flowing. And if we if I call on you and uh, you want to pass, just say so. It's no big deal. Oh come so, on, no passing today. No passing today. Uh, so <laughs> well, anybody want to step up uh, and uh, ask the first question? We have uh, Alex. Uh, Alex, I know you're coming from the venture side. Uh, any take on what uh, you've heard from Juliana today? So I like Brian's comment about the pessimistic outlook on ESG and transitional energy. I love that. Everybody wants to steal one on this, but no one wants to, wants to pay extra for it. And that's correct. That's why that's the markets so don't, are, are penalizing companies that are going too fast or perceivably too fast in, in energy transition. Well, I mean, look, I, I think that's, you've already seen this, right? With Celsior yeah. uh, Metal, even with the government incentives for green hydrogen, they still find it uneconomical. So everyone yeah. says green hydrogen is $3 yeah. a kilogram. Typically, you find hydrogen's actual cost is around eight. And that's just one of those things where you're building up and you're potentially buying off more than you, you can chew with all these take or pay agreements. Yeah. And it's kind of comes down in who does that end up hurting the shareholders. So yeah. I, you have to find a right balance. That's why me personally, with one of our, I used to work at a Sumitomo Mitsui as a banker. Now I'm on the more project development side, VC, I say VC, but more private equity project development side, where we decided to go, instead of going with a green hydrogen plant, we ended up going with existing technologies but still developing with blue hydrogen yeah and turning that into ammonia for european export or to south koreans because people are willing to pay for that but sometimes if you're too willing to pay for that you'll probably end up putting yourself in the grave and i don't mean yeah. that in like the literal sense but from a balance sheet standpoint yeah. I think you're also seeing that when it comes to um, technology providers around emission reduction efforts. So I worked specifically for a continuous monitoring technology uh, monitoring method. Sorry, my dog wants to get in the conversation. I love that. We invite everybody. Everybody's welcome. Uh, I, I love that. He finds it's very engaging. But uh, um, you know, my, the... my cat doesn't approve of that. So. <laughs> Well, you know, so the final methane rule was passed in um, December, this methane fees coming into play, and a lot of operators are still on the fence, right? So the challenge I'm seeing from the technology perspective is creating that value proposition, demonstrating return on investment, and keeping product in the pipe, especially when you're talking about gas and low gas prices that we have now, it's not enough of an incentive. Along those same lines, I think the big 
you know, delivery risk that I see in the energy transition. And by delivery risk, what I mean is, will the technologies that we talk about deliver the environmental impacts that we're seeking? Um, what I see is this lack of frank discussions about both the positive and the negative sides of the energy transition. And where do we need to apply technology to address those gaps? And it seems like if you immediately um, bring up something that's an issue around, let's say, the carbon footprint of all the you know cement that it takes to build a wind turbine, rather than saying, let's make some investment in low carbon cement, we sort of say, no, you can't discuss that. So I, so I think the more frank the community has around those risks and how we address those risks, are going to be where we really uh, ultimately get a solution that delivers the results we want. I, I love what you're saying, Dave, because there's so much about that full recognition of, of, of the full chain, right? Uh, as you're mentioning, yes, you need to create wind, but in order to create wind, there's a significant carbon footprint and where, I mean, we, we need to calculate the whole system, right? Not only part of it and become obsessed with only solving that part, no matter what happens at, at the beginning of the chain or after uh, the, the chain, right? Recycling wind turbines or everything like, you know, the, the Tesla has been mainly being built in uh -huh. China where there's a lot of coal yet. So the power they use might be from coal or in other places like Colorado, there's still coal and there's still pushing a lot for, for EVs, but you know, these EVs might be charged by electricity that is made out of coal. So if, if you don't see the full system, there's there's a lot of things that you're gonna yeah, be- Yeah, the full life cycle analysis, yeah. Uh, correct. Yeah, they, you do right. a low carbon you know, production, but then you put it on a tanker and ship it across the ocean. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of um, um, ironies to, to people being too, blunt about this is the way but then they don't care about how they get there right so and from an investment you know uh, opportunity it, it helps these discussions help de-risk the investment because now you understand what what are the things that i need to sort of focus on in order for me to get the rate of return that i need from my investment so that uh so it it gets investors scared when they don't hear that kind of risk analysis too. Mm -hmm. So I, I I think when I look at ultimately the, you know, delivery risk, that's probably the biggest, it's not a technology per se, but it's more of this sort of full life cycle analysis that needs. Right. We're gonna, we're, thank you, Dave. We're going to shift over to Hani. Hani, you still here? It's your turn. Or you took your hand down, but I'm assuming you still have something to share. Okay, honey, last time. Okay, Polkmar, you're up. Yeah, I, um, thank you so much, uh, uh, Juliana, for this. Um, I think we have to look at the overall ecosystem. And I posted something out here. Um, how do the different parts work together um, into a 
electric ecosystem, I brought up the keyword transactive energy. Yeah. Um, because um, the um, shift of uh, going into renewables is not is a complete transition of how energy will be produced and sold um, and their economic um, backbones behind this that will completely reshape how our electric infrastructure will work. Um, um, I, I highly recommend uh, reading on transactive energy there, virtual power plants and so forth. Um, and in terms of the um, um, different uh, technologies, I think, I mean, they will all come. Um, I see a shift. I mean, when we talked about renewables in 2010, uh, it was very startup-based and everything, and now it's more institutionalized already. You know, now we're having huge projects no one's talking about them, but they are happening. So um, the pendulum is not going back in, in contrary. And we have to meet um, the provisions of different governments, US, German, Chinese governments for electrification. So that we will require enormous investments into EV infrastructure, um, uh, solar microgrids and so forth. So there will, there's no way it swings back. And the other point I wanted to bring about, we have to look really like, let's say um, where these emissions happen and, and some emissions uh, happen naturally yeah. through the yeah. earth. The earth is producing tons of CO2 and other gases and not uh, and we have to keep that into Thank you. uh, consideration. Thanks. I'm done. Thank you. I'm going to shift now over to Lisbeth. Are you muted? Yes, I was muted. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you gave me a direct question here. But also where are you coming from? Yeah. Tell them where you're coming from. I'm coming from, uh, from Norway. I uh, spent huge part of my career in DNV, so I was very happy to see the references Yay! to like, yeah. <laughs> part of setting that in motion some years yeah. back. I've been part of the energy transition um, for a long time, started working renewable energy back more than 10 years ago and seen the shifts in the pendulum going uh, both ways, always in, in uh, different parts of the world. And today I, I kind of split my time between Norway and US Mm -hmm. I must say I'm um, surprised on how small differences there are in the debates and the actual things that are happening in Norway and in Europe versus US. Uh, I think we're in, in seeing lots of the same discussions, lots of the same calls for um, more efficient systems and more knowledge and, and struggle to make things happening, even with strong willingness from many industrial mm -hmm. Uh, investors in particular, and I mean, we see in Norway, there's been huge push from many industrial investors and from oil and gas companies in actually investing in renewable energy. And we just can't seem that to, it's not even the governmental regulations, it's 
the it's the uh, contractual parts. It's it's getting the the whole value chains to work together. I think we're still struggling with the actual value chains. And then I'd, I'd like to make a couple of comments because I my scientific heart fully agrees that we need to understand life cycle analysis in different parts of the equations. But I think we sometimes forget the uncertainties of existing technologies and existing systems that hold so much risk and uncertainty. And then when we move into new technologies, new value chain, we model ourselves into sort of the analysis paralysis where we can't mm -hmm. do anything uh, yeah. because we know that bullshit in is bullshit out. And, and there's always an element of, of guesstimates into an analysis. So, so I think we sometimes fall into that trap. Um, so yeah, I, I just wanted to make that comment. And then I saw, I mean, I fully agree with the majority of your, mm -hmm. your cycle, but I one of the things I follow uh, quite strongly is the develop, development in batteries. And I think that yeah. just having batteries as one topic there yeah. is limited because there are so many new storage options that are, are different parts of the high cycle. That, that excites me. And and one of them had a division between lithium um, and lithium iron and the rest, and the other didn't. They put them all in. A, so that's why I decided to put both because it was interesting. I couldn't see the, the upper one clearly. I'm on the you will receive the slides. So Excellent. you can, <laughs> so, so can we shift over to Andreas, please? Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Andreas Machakos. I uh, I have spent uh, 32 years with Shell at, in Houston, and I uh, recently uh, moved on to uh, other pursuits. Uh, I want to help us create a vision of what would be a successful energy transition. And if I was going to propose something, I think that uh, one that would, would be that the whole humanity understands the risk that's coming ahead if we do business as usual and the options we can take to avoid that with a concomitant maybe adjustments and sometimes sacrifices. I fear sometimes we, we say technology will solve everything or econ economics will solve everything. It will help us solve things. But sometimes the price will not be the same. There will be, so I'm glad people are talking about the green premium. Yeah. Uh, when the, the farmers are uh, protesting in Poland today, in Netherlands last week, in Greece two weeks ago, uh, for different reasons, but mainly when we're trying to enforce climate responsible ways, they don't see ownership in that. Mm -hmm. uh, so can we create that vision? Maybe we have a diffusion of will and, and purpose. Mm -hmm. We could have the world's best technologies if no one wants to use them because they don't care. Oh, yeah, it will, it will save me 10%. I like what I do. Don't, don't bother me. I like to drive my old, uh, you know, Toyota Corolla. Okay. Right. So maybe I'll just pose it as a question. How do we do that? That's, our, that's my vision. Even, uh, even a, a transcend political affiliations. Why is it a political problem? It's not. Well, that's uh, that's very interesting. I really believe that there are some technologies out there that can really, they are not only uh, organically beneficial, like a 10% more effective or, but can really change industries. And that has happened for, for 
solar and and wind and, and batteries um so i think it could happen for for others is trying to figure out which ones those are that is the difficult part right exactly it's exactly what molly just said you can have major behavior change and positive to be able to positively make an impact yeah, true so uh honey would you kindly share yeah uh thank you for sharing these uh reflections again and really enjoyed the discussion as well yeah, my name is Hani Shahawi. I'm uh, retired from Shell about three and a half years ago. I was there for 18 years and uh, Schlumberger before that for another 15. What I do now is primarily work as advisor to startups, but I'm also a small-time angel investor. I invest across a broad uh, set of technologies, um, but I can tell you that I'm exceptionally cautious when it comes to energy transition technologies. Why is that? I think that's because of a... I just want to reinforce one of the comments you made, and I think Dave and others alluded to that. Uh, part of the issue that we've had um, in in this current variant of the energy transition, and uh, you know, because of course there is the impetus to make a change quickly because it's urgent, because we need to take action now, is very often the system's view of things is missing. And very, very often the techno-economics of how it all work is badly missing. So it's not just about the technology, actually. It's about the, how the technologies enable a shift in, uh, importantly, in the, in the business outcomes. And much of the innovation actually has to happen in the business models, I think, as much actually as in the technologies itself. And that's been missing a lot, in, at least in a lot of the new battery technologies, for example. Uh, much of the incremental changes or improvements to solar, for instance. Um, I think part of the solution, what is happening now is not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's it's actually um, sort of recalibration. I don't think the pendulum is swinging back. I, I do not really see or, or meaningful evidence of increased investment in fossil fuels. If anything, it's sort of stagnant or stable, but of course, has been dialing back into the uh, energy transition technologies. But maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's acceptance that maybe things will take a little bit longer, will be a little bit more bumpy, and there will be a price to be paid to, to what MGS was saying before. I do not think there's such a thing as free lunch. I, I do think there will be compromises and sacrifices along the way. And that's not a bad thing so that people can actually accept that. Uh, so that's basically my two cents on that. Systems view of things and the techno economics, I think, are going to be increasingly more important going forward. Thank you for your thanks. Uh, no, I appreciate that. So, folks, we're we're coming up against the hour. Juliana, do you have uh, last uh, last words that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, uh, are we finishing at when are we finishing? I just want to make sure. The show is at uh, twelve forty-five. Is when it's supposed okay. to end. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I want to I want to be uh, short and sweet. Um, I'm really glad that many of you took more than one minute because it means that you're passionate and that this is a nuanced topic. Right. With with the title of this call, when I this this uh, talk, when when I talk about the pendulum swinging back, um, I want to provoke uh, some thoughts. And I know and I feel like maybe this is a market correction. 
um, which, you know, that's, that's how I feel right now that maybe we're going too far and too uh, carelessly thinking that, you know, we could invest in all of the above and everything would be fine and dandy and the markets maybe are telling us, you know, to, to be careful. Um, but, but at the same time, um, I think we all see movements and I think we all have a part to play. So one of the things that I wanted to make sure we, we identified are the key forces be, between those movements of the, of the pendulum, maybe these recalibrations or maybe that scale that we saw at the beginning where, you know, you can just try to put more things of one or another um, building back. Um, but but definitely one one of the things that I keep seeing in the market is a little bit more division uh, in terms of how, you know, things are described, you know, the ESG becoming a, a not such a good word and all of these things. So I'm glad that to see that that uh, we we have a very nuanced approach here and that many of us understand that this is a, a systems approach solution and that only by, you know, putting pressure in one of the forces that are there moving this pendulum of this scale, this is not going to be a solution. Uh, so really glad to continue this discussion offline. Uh, you know, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also very passionate about FTE. So uh, if you want to contribute either as a speaker, as a sponsor, there's there's a ways there. And uh, if, if you want to reach out, please, please do so. Uh, Juliana, you've already been asked to come back on, so we'll talk about this later. So, folks, please complete the uh, the survey on your screen. Let us know how we can make this better for you. Post-show notes will hit your inbox really soon, giving you access to the uh, expert presentation, attendee contact lists with information on the FT membership options, as Juliana mentioned. Next Tuesday, March 5th, Artificial Intelligence of Things, Planning Implementation and Avoiding Pitfalls. Folk Mark Kunert. CEO and co-founder of Ascentech Technology shares those common pitfalls and explores strategies that integrate AI and IoT solutions seamlessly focusing on process optimization and KPI-driven outcomes. 16th, we have a managing director of Google Engineering and an AI thought leader, Roshni Jossi. She shares how she's thinking about building competitive cloud products that are inclusive, safe, and responsible, centering on marginalized and underrepresented voices. So think DEI. Register for these shows and check out our library of experts uh, on our website at fte.network. And while you're at it, subscribe to YouTube, Apple, and Spotify channels so you don't miss a show. FT Network and community are supported by professionals like you. Please try a membership and enjoy the exclusive benefits. Don't see what you like? We'll tailor a plan for you. You can cancel at any time. With over 2,600 members, 20,000 followers across and more 45 industries, the FT network is growing fast, thanks to you. We're out of time. Thank you once again, Juliana, and, and all of you from the experts.